Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 16th of June 2013, entitled The Father's Ready Response, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Again, it's uh, often a familiar story that is uh, looked at many times when we are thinking of Father's Day. And uh, as we think on Father's Day, we, uh, uh, we saw this morning, you know, the importance of that relationship. But we looked at the very, the very last words that were given uh, in the Old Testament uh, was God sending one that would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers, uh, the preparation. Uh, and of course, we saw how that the only, the only way that we can turn our heart to our Heavenly Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and just as relationships on earth. You know, Father's Day used to be a time when uh, it was pretty easy. Uh, it's not an easy time. Uh, I will tell you that... Uh, both the sermons for this morning and this evening, uh, I, I struggled immensely the last few days in praying and searching, and I'd start to, I'd start to work on something, and, 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 and then I'd just uh, have to stop and pause and, and, and back up. And, uh, and, uh, and I guess the thing is that, you know, we live in a difficult time, but as we saw this morning, there's always been difficult times. Uh, you know, God's always been God, and people have always been rebellious sinners. Um, and uh, sometimes we think that we've got it worse than anybody. But uh, no, we've just got it like everybody else. Uh, we live in a sin-cursed world. Uh, we live in a sin-cursed body. Uh, but we've got a God that has given us a way to, uh, to get through all of those things. I was shocked recently when, uh, and I'm, I heard it on the BBC, and I know if you hear it on the BBC, it's got to be accurate. Um, but uh, it was on one of their... Uh, uh, their uh, talk news programs, and, and they were discussing the family. And, you know, the thing is, is that even the non-Christian world realizes that we've got some serious problems. And uh, now I haven't checked the figures myself, but they made a statement on, the, uh, on this news channel that uh, uh, we were in a situation for the first time ever last year where that uh, there were more homes uh, in this country uh, more homes with children that did not have a father than those that did. Uh, the state of the home. And of course, we saw this morning that uh, as the heart goes, so goes the home. But no, that's, that's, that's quite shocking. They, they were saying that it's something like uh, uh, 60% of the children in this country now uh, live in homes without a father. Um, and of course, as we saw this morning, the relationship of a father with the child uh, it has an impact, tremendous impact. It can be a good impact or it can be a bad impact. Uh, it can be an impact that will uh, give us strength and, 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 and joy and, and help us through those really difficult times, uh, or it can be a very painful thing that brings us much pain and, and, and agony. Uh, and in direct relation to that, though, it should remind us that our relationship with our Heavenly Father has a direct relationship on every other relationship that we have. Uh, and when our heart is right with Him, uh, then we have a hope of getting our relationship right with others. But when our relationship with Him is bad and, and, and it's not what it ought to be, 
then uh, we're going to struggle with the other relationships. So it's got to begin. Uh, it's got to begin in the heart as with everything with God. Uh, well, this evening we look at a situation, and, and the thought for this evening is the Father's ready response. And, uh, and of course, as we look into the Scriptures, what I want you to realize this evening is that, you know, in this life, in this flesh, you know, I, I had some absolutely beautiful gifts and 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 I and I told my my wife and kids and I and I and I meant it. They thought I was being kind of lighthearted. I I wish half the stuff they said in there about me was true, um, but I don't. You know, uh, honestly, uh, you know, I guess I look and I think. You know, I guess there's there's a lot of things in life that uh, if you fail at, no big deal. You just get up and you go again and you try again. Uh, but you only get one shot at being a parent, and you only get supposedly one shot at being a husband. And, uh, and I know I felt miserable. There's a lot of things I wish I did a lot better and could do a whole lot better. Uh, but, uh, you know, we can't change the things in the past, and that's part of the struggles that we have. Uh, but, you know, where we start from, God has an answer. And God knows our situation, whether it's a good one or whether it's a bad one. Uh, there's one that we can turn to. And what I want us to, to realize this evening is, first of all, a father's ready response, the response that God is ready and waiting Every one of us, whatever our problem is, wherever we've gone spiritually, God is ready and waiting for us. He loves us. He's there. He cares. He's never going to forsake us. Uh, the thing is, sometimes we have to, uh, we have to be willing uh, to make that move that we need to make. Um, and the thing is, is that when that relationship is right, uh, whatever this sinful world has dished out to us and whatever we have got to face down here, uh, we can do it with him, and it will be better than doing it without him. Uh, Luke chapter 15, we're going to begin reading in verse 11. I'm going to invite you to uh, stand with me as we read this familiar parable from God's Word. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hard servants. And he arose and came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. 
and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Well, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing <coughs> and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hast devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Father, we thank you again this evening. And over these next moments, Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I pray that you would take, speak to our hearts, each one here this evening, Lord. The needs can be many. The needs can be different. But you know what each one is. We pray that you, through the power of your Spirit, would speak to each one that which needs to be spoken and we give you the praise for it in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I read a story that came out of a focus on the family magazine, a, a ministry in North America that has a focus on the family. Uh, Dr. James Dobson for many years, of course, is retired now. But it was a story that told of a, a man by the name of Tim, Bur Tim uh, Burke. And he was, a, uh, he was a major league baseball player uh, that played for a Canadian team called the Montreal Expos. Um, he was still at a point in his career when he was right at the peak of his career. And, and surely he had many, many, many years left ahead of him. And yet suddenly at 33 years of age, which is not old for a baseball player, he just up and retired. And nobody could figure out what in the world. You know, I mean, there's no reason for this guy to quit now. Well, Tim and his wife, for whatever reason, uh, were not able to, uh, to have children. Um, over time, they uh, were led to, to adopt four children. Uh, they were actually Korean children that all had very special needs and needed a lot of, uh, of attention. Um, as they adopted these kids and began to love them and to care for them, uh, Tim realized the great demands that it was just in, in being able to love and care for these kids. And he saw that here his wife was trying to be mother and father and doctor and mover and plumber and secretary and everything else all at the same time. Uh, and he decided that, uh, that, you know, that God had blessed them and that uh, rather than worrying about uh, a uh, more fruitful career ahead of him and, and the money that might come from that, that uh, there was far more important things that he could be doing with, with his life. Um, Christine, his, his wife, was, uh, of course, quite, uh, quite shocked and uh, uh, quite moved by her husband's decision. Um, 
And she said for a number of reasons. Number one, she knew probably better than most anybody else how much he loved baseball. Uh, I mean, this was something that he loved doing, and he did it with a passion. Uh, but he came to realize that he loved God even more. Uh, he loved baseball with a passion in this world, but he loved God, and he loved his wife, and he loved these children that God had blessed them with, even though they'd not been able to bring children into this world themselves. She was touched to see this big, stroppy athlete with all of his dedication to these children and the things that they needed and, and, and caring so much for them uh, because also she knew that he had never had any proper teaching how to be a dad because uh, his father had left uh, before he was even born. Uh, and so he had never known a father. He had never had a father uh, himself. Um, we know that, uh, uh, that I guess that she said that she knew that, uh, uh, you know, she had been blessed with a, with a good father, uh, but uh, her husband's decision, even though that it, it puzzled so many, so many people, uh, it was something that uh, was a decision that was made for God and for family. Um, and I believe that, uh, you know, we can look in the Bible and God's, God's given three institutions, um, and that's the family and government and the church. Uh, and of course, as we move through time, God has used different emphasis in, in different ways. But I said this morning, and I would repeat again this evening, that, uh, you know, as we think about the, uh, the homes, we think about the strength of the homes. Um, the truth is, is that, uh, is that no nation is going to be stronger than the churches in that nation. And no church is going to be stronger than the families that make it up. Because churches are people. They're not buildings. They're not brick and mortar. Uh, they're human beings. Uh, and uh, we have a great responsibility to our, to our families. And as we as we look at this account here, this is a, a story about a father and his two sons. And, and yes, it's Father's Day that we're celebrating today. But the truth is, is the principles that we see here are principles that ought to, to, to be at work in every Christian's life. Uh, whether you're a mother or whether you're a father or whether you're a son or whether you're a daughter. And everybody here fits in that somewhere. Uh, and these are principles that, that should make a difference to each and every one of us. Uh, we've, I guess, over the years, as many pastors, preachers, looked at this, and there's so many different things and so many different emphases that we can that we can look at in this in this story. Um, but I think that as we look, we can look at the attitude of the sons and the attitudes of the fathers and all the things that went on. But you know, I think the overriding message uh, of this parable is, of course, this prodigal son, the one that went away, came to himself. Uh, he, you know, it's, it's an easy thing for us sometimes to not recognize what we have until we don't have it anymore. Um, most of us don't realize just how easy it is for us to take advantage of the things that, that really are the most precious in our life uh, because they're just there all the time. Um, and it's not sometimes until they're, they're gone that we learn to appreciate them. Uh, but this, this one that had gone away from God, 
uh, he, he came to himself. And of course, when he did, he realized that the thing he needed to do more than anything was to repent of his sin. You know, I see a lot of people that do a lot of things wrong and get a lot of things wrong in this life, and so many times they, they come back with being sorry, but so often it seems like they're more sorry that they got caught than they were sorry that they did it. Um, you know, there, there is no, you know, there, there is no salvation without repentance, folks. Um, unless we're willing to humble ourselves and admit our sin and turn from that sin, we can't just start following Jesus and hang on to all that sin. He came to get rid of that sin and we've, we've got to repent. We've got to turn from it. And this young man in this story, he came to himself and he, he realized his condition and he was repentant. Um, did you ever consider in reading this story? How it might have changed if when this young man came to himself and he realized that he'd blown it. I mean, he had had every opportunity and he had just thrown it away. But what if when he came back, what if the father hadn't been waiting on him? Um, what if he had uh, made those last steps towards home and there was no one there to greet him. Uh, it says here in verse 20, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. What a response to somebody that's just took and wasted everything that was, well, half of everything that you've worked for in your life. He just went out and blown it. And yet... It appears that as we look at this verse, there's just three phases, three phrases that I want to pick out of this verse this evening that would hopefully just rem be reminders to each and every one of us that our Heavenly Father has a ready response for each and every one of us. <laughs> and the thing is, is that <laughs> we need to have a ready response. I want you to notice here the first words, but when he was yet a great way off. That's important. I want you to notice, first of all, the distance that's involved here. The Bible says he was still way out there. He was still a, a great way off. You see, a lot of times when we mess up, when we get things wrong, when we fall into that sin or whatever, Sometimes we feel like that we got to get it all sorted out and get back to where we were before God's going to have anything to do with us. Oh, he had recognized his sin. He had made the move to God. But you see, as we read through this parable, I, I get a distinct feeling here that, you know, this father was there all the time. Uh, even though that... Loving his son enough to, he'd had to let him go. Uh, he'd let him, had to let him go into the world where he knew all those dangers that were there. And that's, that's a hard thing. That's one of the hardest things that most parents have to face. You know, when those children are small, you can, you can protect them and you can put all the, the fences around them and the walls around them and build it up. But there comes that point when you have to start letting go. And you know, it's even harder sometimes when we've had to learn some of those lessons the hard way, and we know how dangerous it can be out there. 
We know how easy that it is to make some of those terrible mistakes. We've been there. We talked about this morning. That's part of that cycle, though, isn't it? To start with, man, dad's stronger than anybody. He's smarter than anybody. He's faster than anybody. There's nobody in the world that can compare. I said this morning, man, Superman don't hold a stick to him. But then suddenly they get up about seven, eight, nine years old. Dad starts getting weaker. He's not as smart as he used to be. By the time you get to the teenage years, man, he don't know anything. Did he ever know anything? And it's not until we get back into adulthood that suddenly he seems to be starting to get a little bit smarter again. <laughs> um, and then there comes that point when he's no longer there. And we wish so much that we still had that time. And some of us are in that cycle too. But the thing is, is that, you know, when we come to that point, as we see in this story here, when this parent had to let go, he had to let go. But, you know, I don't believe he ever stopped praying. He never stopped caring for the safe return of that, of that son. I mean, you know, probably the natural thing, if you'll excuse me for being so explicit, you know, the natural thing would have probably been to think something like, well, that unappreciative little brat, he's the one that went out there and wasted it and did it. Just, just let him suffer. Let him, let him take the consequences for what he's done. He took my money and he went out there and he wasted it all in the world. Well, now he's on his own. He did it. I did my part. Now let him do his own. We've even heard the term sometimes, I just washed my hands of him. I don't think this father ever came to the point where he felt that his responsibility was over. You see, doesn't matter how old you are. You never quit being a dad. You never quit being a mom. <laughs> you never quit being a son. You never quit being a daughter. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family, they say, right? <laughs> You're stuck with them forever. And so we find that that's not what this father thought. He was, I believe, anticipating his son's return. He was excited about it, and he waits for him. You see, what do you do when your children are a great way off? A great way off. But when he was yet a great way off, how do you respond? Sometimes they've maybe gone away for the first time. It might be work. It might be college or university. Maybe it's just them not living up to our expectations, just expected more out of you. Maybe it's not what we thought is God's expectation of them. Sometimes it's before they leave home and it's just, <laughs> just making chaos in the home and that rebellion begins to rear up against the authority because they want to do their own thing. Sometimes you just feel like they're trying to grow up faster than they should. They just don't seem appreciative for everything that you've done for them. You see, there's all kind of things that can go through those, those natural minds. 
But the advice that we get from what Jesus is saying to us here, this is from the words of Jesus Christ, and I believe what he's showing in this Father, if he's showing anything, is be there for them. <laughs> be there for them. Whatever they've done, be there for them. You know, you don't have to condone their sin. You don't have to even like what they've done. <laughs> but we do need to be there for them. We need to be there for them no matter what, no matter where they go, no matter how much it costs. I believe that this Father is showing us that we need to be there. Well, if we're there for them, this prodigal's father, he didn't give up on him. <laughs> he had uh, probably to show a lot of patience, but that can only happen when that father himself has that relationship that we were talking about this morning. These things don't come natural in the flesh. You know, I've seen people, and, and you know, one thing you have to learn is parents have the right to parent their own way, and it's between them and God. We can't tell people how to be parents. You know, I, I've known preachers that stood in the pulpit that disowned their kids because they went into sin or disowned their kids because they went to the, to the wrong kind of church even. <laughs> I've had some of those preachers criticize me because that I still love mine even when they turn their backs on God. You know, the thing is, is that God never turns his back on us. <laughs> Boy, I sure wish I could redo some of, the, some of the things that I've done wrong. I sure wish that I could go back and make different choices with some of the things that I've done, but I can't. You know, the greatest thing is that God never quit loving me, and he never you know, even at my lowest point, and, and, you know, I couldn't even describe. I, I, look, I look back, and I can't even believe it was the same person. You know, we can go to the depths, the worst that this world has to offer. But you know what, Brother Steve? God's still there for us. He's still there. Matter of fact, what's so mind-boggling is to know that <laughs> we don't know beforehand when our kids mess up. And God knew I was going to do it, and he knew you were going to do it. He knew every sin, and that's why he died for you. That's why he paid for those sins, because he wanted to be there for you. We've got to be able to, to be there as this, as this father was. And the only way our relationship, if you're here and you're the son or the daughter, you're here and you're the mother or the father, the only way that relationship is ever going to have any hope whatsoever is for your relationship with the Heavenly Father to be what it needs to be. Oh, you're going to need His wisdom, whether you're the child or whether you're the parent. You're going to need His strength. You're going to need His patience. You're going to need His love. But the truth is, is that we're the ones that will make the choices as to what that relationship is going to be like. You know, I said this morning that even lost people can, can love. I've met some nice lost people in this world. <laughs> Matter of fact, I've met some lost people that were nicer to me than some of the Christians. <laughs> I've met some of them that 
acted like they could show love more. And, but folks, there's no way that when that's the case that their relationship is what it ought to be because the greatest relationship in the world is when our relationship is such that it's him that's working through us, his love, his patience, that fruit of the Spirit at work. That's just natural there because of the God that's in, in control of our lives. Tim Burke's relationship with the Lord is what enabled him to make a decision that everybody in the world thought was crazy. I mean, they really thought this guy was off his gourd to do what he was doing. But you see, he had a relationship that was able to give him the wisdom, the insight to know what was really important. And that same God will do that for us. Those of you that have been through some of those moments with your sons and your daughters, you know, I, I, I can still remember so many times. You know, I, I can remember some times when uh, I succeeded in uh, making my dad pretty angry. <laughs> uh, I, I can remember some times when I really, really, really pushed him to the limit. Uh, but I can't remember a time that, that he never loved me. Um, I, I, can, I can still remember the time when I was a young teenager myself. And, you know, it's always naturally if it's, it's the other church kids, you know, that we're hanging out with, we're safe, you know. But uh, I can remember the first time some of us church kids got into some things we should not, not ought to have gotten into. And uh, and I can remember when you know how the little grapevine works sometimes. And I remember, I remember I got in and I was at home and I was sitting there and I was I was actually faithfully doing my piano practice for my piano lessons. And I was sitting there at the piano and I was practicing away. And my dad came in and he just sat down on the piano stool beside me. And I remember he didn't say a whole lot. And I kind of had a feeling I was in trouble when he sat there so quietly. I wasn't playing the piano that beautifully that he, that, that would entrance him, that was for sure. And uh, he just, uh, so very softly, he just said to me, he said, son, he said, I'm going to ask you something. And he said, just do me a favor. He said, just be completely honest with me. He said, just tell me the truth. And he asked me if I'd done such and such, boy. I mean, I felt I felt everything within me. You know, I, I wasn't sure I could speak anything or not. You know, and uh, and I can remember, you know, that you know you're supposed to be mad at me right now. <laughs> you're supposed to be shouting at me or something like that. Uh, but instead, he he sat there and tears were shutting down his face, and he was brokenhearted. <laughs> And I still remember, and I don't, I don't think I could have told a lie at that moment if, if my life had depended on it, uh, and I can still remember, you know, that when I just had to say, yes, Dad, I'm sorry, I did do that. Uh, but you know, you know what, the, the worst thing of all that, uh, Brother Steve, I, 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 you know, the, the thing that scared me the most, it, it wasn't that, I mean, you know, I figured people knew me well enough to know that I wasn't exactly the the uh, perfect little angel of the pastor's kid that I should be. And uh, 
The thing that worried me the most was not what they would think about me because of what I had done, but what were they going to think about my dad? What was the congregation in our church going to think about their pastor when their pastor's son had done this? And, and I, you know, I remember so much. <laughs> you know, you remember a lot of things from childhood, but I, I remember, you know, that that just absolutely ripped my heart out. And uh, I think probably one of the hardest things that I ever did uh, as a teenager was, was, was the following Sunday morning. Uh, it was hard enough admitting it to my dad sitting there on the, on the piano stool in the home when it was just the two of us. But if there was one thing I had to do, I had to get up there and tell those people that it wasn't his fault. <laughs> He's not the one that caused me to do that. And, uh, you know, that was because that there is that unique relationship that we talked about this morning. I was more concerned about what my wrongs was going to do to hurt him than what they would do to hurt me because I deserved whatever it did to me. I couldn't stare. I just couldn't couldn't bear the thought of uh, of what I had done wrong, uh, being detrimental to him and uh, and his ministry. Um, I think that as we look at the account before us in this story, uh, this father had a unique love for his son. Uh, we said this morning that runs to the very center of our being, and. As we look here, you know, even when this son was still a great way off, you notice what it says next? He saw him and had compassion. <laughs> he was still a great way off, but he had made that turn. The father had been patient. The father had been waiting. He had compassion. <laughs> I believe that that was the compassion of Christ that he's showing us here, the mercy that God shows for each and every one of us. You know, sometimes you just want to get mad, don't you? <laughs> sometimes you just you just want to be able to, to get your rep retribution in there. You know, you deserve to be able to be angry about something. But the thing is, is that when things upset us, when that we're able in the midst of those upsetting times to be able to demonstrate that, that mercy, that compassion that this father is showing here. You know why that a lot of the dysfunctional adults are walking around this world today just because they needed somebody to say, I love you. <laughs> they needed somebody to say, I'm there for you. They needed somebody to say, I forgive you. You messed up. <laughs> Do you understand? I can't love you any less. Sure, it might hurt. It might hurt both of us. There might be some hard things to get through. There might be some bad consequences, but I'm still there. I guess the easier thing that we tend to see today is more times the father, and yes, even sometimes the mothers. The easier way is just to uh, to leave it all behind. This isn't working. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. 
Um, sometimes it happens because moms and dads haven't experienced forgiveness themselves. And sometimes it makes it real hard for them to forgive others, even, even their own children. Sometimes it happens because the role models they had were more negative than they were positive, were more abusive than they were loving. We find that so many times in this life, there are many things that make people what they are. You know, we might have messed up, but the one thing I guess that it wouldn't hurt to consider as parents is, what do you want your children to remember you for? <laughs> what do you want them to remember about you? Because, you know, as, as you can see before your eyes, we don't stay young forever. <laughs> you know, there's, there's going to be a time. And until the Lord comes back, we keep passing on the mantle. Generation after generation after generation. There's some things I sure hope my kids forget about me. <laughs> There's some things I hope doesn't, doesn't stick in their mind at all. But the thing is, we're creating memories all the time. I just simply believe this, and I know that some people disagree, and that's fine. They've got the right to do that. You know, discipline is vital. Discipline is important. Discipline is a part of love. Even our God, if we belong to him, he's going to chastise us when, when we're getting out of line because of the consequences of not doing so. Love is not about just letting them do what they want and have their own way and, and never drawing any lines. But if I'm going to err, I sure think that uh, I'd prefer to err on the side of, of caring too much, of having too much compassion than not having enough. Um, I think that uh, none of us are perfect, but our greatest role model is Jesus himself. And I believe that's what he's trying to show us in this account right here. You know, do you stop and think about Man, his disciples did some stupid things sometimes, didn't they? <laughs> I mean, after he had taught them so plainly and so clearly, and then the questions they come up with and the things that they did, I mean, but yet, what do you see him doing? Oh, yes. He was pretty plain with them a lot of times. I mean, he, he told them like it was. But you see him loving them. <laughs> you see him caring for them. You see him, you know, almost like taking up and saying, come on. <laughs> We've got to discipline. We've got to correct. But you know what? That is totally, completely, utterly useless without the love and compassion. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's so important that that great love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 teaches us that, <laughs> you know, everything else is worthless without love. Without love, it's worthless. So as we look in this passage here, it was when this son was yet a great way off that this father saw him and had compassion. The distance involved, the disposition that was involved, but I want you to notice finally the display that's involved here. <laughs> when he saw him, 
Still a long ways off, what did he do? He ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I mean, he was still a long ways off. He wasn't where he needed to be. But boy, when he made that move and he started to come back, the, the father can't wait for him to get there. He's running to it and he's throwing his arms around him and he's just laying a big smackaroo on him. He's so glad to see him. He just can't control himself. I really don't think that that son had to try to figure out whether or not he'd been forgiven. <laughs> I think it was pretty obvious that he was loved, that he was forgiven. All that celebrating and festival and everything that came afterwards, well, that's what they say sometimes. That, that, that was just icing on the cake. <laughs> that's not what made it great. I think that this father just didn't leave any doubt in this son's eyes that he loved him, that he had forgiven him, that he was there for him. You know, I think that we all fall short sometimes. If I could go back and raise my children from infancy up again, I wouldn't give them less hugs. I'd give them more hugs. <laughs> I wouldn't give them less time. I'd give them more time. I wouldn't give them less love. I'd do my best to give them more love. I believe that that's the impression, that's what's being displayed by this father here. I think a lot of parents need to realize that, well, sometimes a hug, that simple show of genuine affection, boy, it can be a new bicycle, a new glove, a new iPod or iPad or whatever else that it might be, because we live in a materialistic society that somehow thinks that another toy can fix everything. But in the end, it's the relationships. You can't buy our children's affections and respect. It's something that's built from the heart. Do you think there's any significance to the fact that one of the last things Jesus did before he went to the cross was to wash his disciples' feet. <laughs> what more humbling act to show them how much they meant to him. He humbled himself to do one of the lowest things that he could do to show them the regard that he held them in. I believe that he was trying to teach them the regard that they should hold others in. A lot of fathers would say, you know, beyond getting that new tie or beyond being seen by my children as a great provider and even a disciplinarian, if they could only know the affection, the effectiveness of a dad that really loved, or really cared. You see, as fathers and mothers, I just ask you this question in closing. Honestly, how much do you love God? How much do you love God? 
It's easy to say, I love him. But what do we show? It's, it's easy. You know, we, we said this morning as we, as we looked at the fact that, you know, at, at the end of the Old Testament where, where Malachi was when he was talking about turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, this was the last thing he made, and this was all in the context of the Messiah coming, of the coming of Jesus Christ. We find that as it comes down to this heart situation, it's that which comes from within. And words come cheap, but when we really love, it's going to be seen. It's going to be displayed. It's going to be seen by our actions. The world doesn't need just a bunch of words. They need the love of God, the love of Christ shown to them through us. And if we can't do that with our own children in our own homes, and if we can't do that with our own parents, then how are we going to do it to the rest of the world? Can we love in the same way that Tim Burke, the athlete, did? <laughs> Would we really be willing to turn our backs on all the success of this world because of the love that we have for our family, a wife, husband, children, those around us that really, really matter? Do we love like this prodigal's father did? Do we have the same patience? Boy, that, you know, that, that, that older son, I mean, that's the attitude that is so, you know, we look at those other people. We can look around us and we can think about all those people that ought to be here tonight, but they're not. We can think about all those people that ought to be doing this or ought to be doing that, but they're not. Um, we could begin to look and say, but, you know, look, well, why are you treating that person so special? I mean, I've been faithful and I've been working hard and I've served and I've done all these things right, and yet look how many times they've let you down. Look how many times they've messed up. And yet you get all excited because they've come back. It's easy for us in the flesh to have that attitude. Too easy because that's what comes natural to the flesh. Well, what I'm saying to you this evening, I believe that whether we're father or mother or son or daughter, we need the ready response of this father that we see in this account here. Oh, yes. He was so elated that his son had returned. He had messed up bad, but he had come home. He had saw the error of his ways. And it's only by the grace of God that any of us, and of course, the same question, not only to your moms and dads, but sons and daughters, are you a long ways off? Are you at a distance from God, from your parents, from those that love you so much? You know, just as this prodigal did here, maybe all you really need to do is recognize it and make that turn.
head home. Head back to the Father. Head back to the family. Head back to those that you love. You know what? It just might surprise you. I can guarantee you that your Heavenly Father is waiting with outstretched arms, and he'll come running, and he'll be elated. I mean, he says that there's more celebration in heaven over that one, that one sheep that's gone astray and has been found than over the 99 that stayed safe. Maybe this evening, maybe just like the prodigal, maybe, maybe you just need to return. Moms, dads, be there. No matter what, be there. Those kids need you. Kids, it might surprise you just how much mom and dad need you as well. Father, we thank you this evening, Lord. We know that, Lord, that we live in a day when the family is under so much attack. We can look at so much bad. But, Lord, as we look at this familiar account in your word this evening, I thank you for just reminding us, Lord, in this one verse of this, so much that we could look at, but, Lord, just of the ready response of that Father. Help us. Help us to have that same kind of compassion. Help us to react in the same way that he did. And Lord, I pray this evening that if there's any here this evening, Lord, that are afar off and they need to return, oh, I pray you'd speak to their heart. Help them, Lord, to realize that, first of all, you're there. You're there. There's no question about it. But, Father, I pray that you'd help us as their parents, as their church family. Help us to be there one for another. Help us, Lord, that when, Lord, when one stumbles and when one falls and when one struggles, help us to be there to love, to encourage, to, to lift back up. Lord, rather than to discourage and put down and say, well, you shouldn't have done that. Help us, Lord, to be like this prodigal's father. <clears throat> Help us like to be like you, Lord. Help us to have that same unconditional love, one for another. We give you the praise and thanks for it. In Jesus' name, by and by. Amen. Mm -hmm.